Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. great that we've already had one baptism in January, we've got more in February, we've got more in March, and, and by God's grace, is it possible we could see more people baptized in April and May? Amen. The challenge is all of ours, you know, we really believe it. I just want to say, you guys are, are great, you know, today's a very special day. It's not my birthday. <laughs> Actually, it could be, we could just pretend, couldn't we, just for the sake of anything to get cake and biscuits. Um, <laughs> You know what motivates us here. Our love of cake. <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to have to talk a little bit more slowly this morning uh, because we are doing our first official bilingual translation in the service. So, come on, ça va? <laughs> ça va bien, merci, eh, Marie? <laughs> okay, so we are translating into French this morning, and um, we will probably be doing Portuguese as well as time goes on. This, so if you hear a slight whisper... Um, I'll slow down uh, at the back of the room. Don't be put off by that. It's because we are experimenting with uh, translation. So we praise God for the fact that we have so many nationalities in the church. <clears throat> and by his grace, that will continue. And uh, it wouldn't it be fantastic? It would be fantastic. So, um, so this morning, we're going to be looking at the next chapter, if you like, in this discussion of discovering my God-given capacity. Remember in week one, we said discovering... <laughs> It's all about discovering what God has already put in place. That's what we're doing. We're discovering what God has already put in place. It's not about you having to suddenly become something you never could figure out. It's, it's about discovering your capacity. Uh, if it's all about your work to get to something, then I think God's grace starts to dissolve away. I, I, I believe that we are saved by grace and we we put that grace into practice by being faithful as believers by walking in authentic relationship by trusting God in the things we do it's not about going to night school it's not about having to do essays it's not about having to perform it's about um, allowing God's relationship with us to produce something that's what it is the secret is the production that comes out of the fruitfulness of that relationship and there are times we navigate that and we guide. So we're going to look at some of those principles this morning. Um, we're going to be looking specifically at the life of Joseph. I looked at Joseph on week one uh, because Joseph started everything wrong, really. He was rather full of himself. He was confused. He had this amazing coat, which, and there's a whole story around that. But he had a destiny, and he grasped something of that destiny. Who believes they have a destiny that's of value and purpose. Yes. Who's not certain? <laughs> it's not a fair question, maybe. But God has given you a destiny of massive value and massive purpose. It's, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. And it's the journey in between. It's our, in fact, our journey is so much more important than anything else. That journey is important. And as we skip through the life of Joseph, He's a character from the Old Testament, a very famous biblical character. Age of 17, he's sold into slavery. Um, he ends up in Egypt. He was in the land of Canaan, sold into slavery, ends up in Egypt. 
Um, he, work, he ends up being sold to a family, and a man called Potiphar is uh, the leader of the household. He's, a, he's an Egyptian officer in their, their army. He's also the kind of prison overseer. Um, he's the captain of the, the royal guard. And uh, anyway, he sees something in Joseph's uh, life from the perspective of a, of, a, of a pagan, false god world. Egypt had many deities, many gods, the sun, god, sun gods, moon gods, star gods, all sorts of other gods. Um, yet in all that, we read in chapter 39, we've not got the verses up just yet, we read that Joseph um, was noticed by Potiphar that the Lord was with Joseph. Our theme this morning is all about discovering the influence that God has for you. I just want to just reflect for a moment on the previous weeks. We, we started off with discovering that God-given capacity, what these words mean. We moved into the importance of being aligned with God's word. And do you remember I talked about journaling? Perhaps, Caroline, you could pass me up my journal. This is my current journal. It's just about to finish that journal. I've got a pile of these at home. Journaling, I believe, is absolutely key in our Christian walk because we take what we receive when we pray and when we read God's word or when we are spending time with believers, when we're all that spiritual dynamic of our faith, when we keep a record of what we've done, it becomes like the permanence in our life. It becomes those, those places. We talked about Abraham in that second week. He, he, always, he built altars but lived in a tent. He, he laid down things that were solid in his life. The things you lay down that are solid are your times with God. It's that place of worship. They're the solid places. All the other stuff moves. So often in life, we try and make our house the solid place, our job the solid place. We try and make our, our education, our career, our family, our husband or our wife the solid place. That's not the solid place. The solid place is our worship of the living God. That's our solid place. Everything else will change and shift and be affected by circumstances. But if we get that in place, it'll be good. And on that note, actually, my, just, just by way of, this really, just, this is a personal thing. The Sunday we talked about the Word of God, um, I had to go to Germany right after the meeting. And Adam, in his, his washing machine... <laughs> I don't know if you've seen his new car, but it's small. <laughs> it's brilliant, actually. It's con- is it not convertible, is it? It is convertible. It's amazing. If you have a look for that smart car. You know these smart cars? You can park them head on. <laughs> you know, you can... You can in, fact, in fact, here it is. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I love it. Little engine, but great. And, you know, we pulled up, didn't we, at Swanley to meet a couple of colleagues who were going over to Germany... <laughs> And they, they were sitting there with their massive great 4x4 X5 with massive wheels on, laughing. We just laughed. And so I got out of the smart car and went to Germany in the 4x4. <laughs> but anyway, we love that car. But um, <coughs> we were going to Germany to this conference. Get on the plot, Mark. <clears throat> and the thing that really drew me to it was there's a guy going to be speaking on, on the left-hand side of your screen there, a picture of Dave Ferguson. And uh, what really excited me was that Dave, as he started to present some of his content to these leaders in Germany, and there were maybe a couple of hundred of really good church leaders there, he gets out his journal and did exactly what I did that Sunday, opened his journal and said, this is what God is 
saying to me right now. And that living, vibrant reality of God speaking into his life fueled all those pastors. Now, it doesn't, may not surprise you, you may not know who Dave Ferguson is, but he is the president of a, a network in the States or a, a couple of big conferences called Exponential. And uh, there's over 8,000 leaders in the States and other countries wanting to connect in with that because it's all about church planting and growth and it's all organic and intentionality. It's really exciting. And I was able to spend some time with him and he just said to me, he said, you know, Mark, this makes me laugh. This is the humility of the guy. He just said, you know, this started six years ago. There were only four of us sitting in a room trying to figure out what we're going to do. And look at it now, six years later, there's all these thousands of people. He said, I'm just an ordinary guy just like you. Ordinary guys planted 14 churches and influences all these thousands of people. But by God's grace, um, he has brought influence into Dave's life. And our connection is not accidental because as a result of that conversation, we're planning something in the UK this year or planning to be connected in the UK this year and planning to do some stuff in Europe next year. And it's just bizarre. Why does God do that? Because it's his plan, not our plan. It's God's plan. His plan, his plan, plan, plan is for you to be influential. It's not about status. It's not about rank. It's about influence. Influence is all out of who you are, not you, what you are kind of waving as a flag. It's what's in you that brings that influence. In the kingdom of God, it's the inside of you coming out and, God, and just encountering places where God wants that to, to come out, which is where the excitement is. And um, just move on through this story. So we know that Joseph uh, went to meet, well, he was bought by Potiphar because it says in 30, uh, Genesis 39.3, uh, Potiphar noticed that the Lord was with Joseph. As a result, gave him responsibility. He was a tremendous asset to the whole household. He ended up becoming responsible for all of Potiphar's worldly goods. In fact, it says, it's quite funny talking about food again. It says, it says in Genesis 39, all Potiphar had to do was think about what he was going to eat. <laughs> it's a strange comment, that, but it's kind of real. When life is so chilled that all you've got to do is decide what you're going to eat. I'd like to be in that place, wouldn't you? What would you choose? I think it would be spicy. I think I'd invite Noel and Colleen round and bring us the hottest chilies they've ever given me. Um, but, you know, just to be in that place where all you've got to think about is what you're going to eat is just such a, a nice thing. But in that situation, Potiphar had noticed that the Lord was with Joseph, but Potiphar's wife noticed Joseph, which was not a good thing because she thought he was red hot. He was a, it says in the scriptures he was good looking and, you know, well built, I think the expression is. And... Um, and effectively, don't mind my kind of getting to the point, she was demanding sex from this guy. She wanted to sleep with him and was, at this point in the first service, people on the back row got up and walked out. And I realised they were just taking advantage of the, the mums and baby room. So, but I, I thought I'd just blown my credibility. So if Nathan gets up and goes out, who knows? <laughs> um, but uh, so, she, so she's seeing something completely different to Potiphar in the same household, same place, they're seeing different things. That sounds like something we talked about recently. But, um, but I can tell you this for sure. Joseph wasn't potty for her. <laughs> that, I got a clap. I tell you, all I got was booze in the first service. So, <laughs> that's because you lot are awake. Wasn't that first song brilliant today? Love it. Uh, by the way, God-given capacity. It's great to see Dave and Josie here. And we'll talk about them in a minute. I've got a plan for them. <laughs> God's got a plan for them. <laughs> anyway, so 
Well, I want to get into this. Time's ticking away. Anyway, so, so what happens is, so, so clearly Joseph doesn't get embroiled with Potiphar's wife. He's the, the captain of the guard. He puts, anyways, he tries to run away from the wife. She gets so frustrated, she cries out in, in a tussle, even though he'd tried to avoid her. He ends up getting arrested for, she says he's tried to rape her and ends up in prison under Potiphar's control in, the, in Pharaoh's palace or in, in, the, in the palace. And um, while he's there, of course, a couple of guys come in. There's a, a, there's, there's a baker who worked for Pharaoh. There is also the cupbearer, the guy who served the wine. Interesting that he got released later and it all worked out well with the guy with the cupbearer. So, uh, but these two guys come in and it's interesting that Potiphar actually puts them under the responsibility of Joseph for a period of time. So Potiphar just knows. He, he must have known in his heart of hearts it wasn't all bad for Joseph. But anyway, he, I guess his the situation was that and he was in prison so but while he's there um joseph hears about these dreams that these two guys have had he interprets the dreams he gets them right and um and in due course pharaoh has dreams has a couple of dreams and and it it just so happens that the cupbearer eventually remembers about the success of of joseph's um interpretation of these dreams and reports it to pharaoh who then says to joseph i have heard i have heard Genesis 41, 15, I have heard. My question is, what have people heard about you? What have they heard? Is it good? Does it need to be improved? <laughs> is, it, is it actually good stuff? Is there good stuff? Are people hearing good stuff? People need to hear about you. You may be a shy person. You may be someone who likes to be away from the limelight. You might just want to do your thing. But actually, God wants people to know about you. That's his plan. He wants people to know who you are. He wants people to know about you. And we need to build our confidence. Whether or not you're drawn to connection with one person or three people or five people, a small group, or whether you're called to a, a larger community, maybe you're called to a company or whatever it is, what's, your, what's the opportunity that God's opened up? He's got an intentionality around your influence. It's an intentionality. And uh, Pharaoh is so impressed that he appoints Joseph to high responsibility. The influence that God has brought through Joseph, despite the imprisonment, despite the false accusations, enables him to take on a great responsibility. So, three questions about this. Why does God give influence? Why does he? And we'll just read what happened. Pharaoh says in Genesis 41, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Joseph asked the officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. No one is as intelligent or wise. The perception, because God was operating authentically in Joseph's life, that bubbled up. Joseph didn't have to book an appointment with Pharaoh. He didn't have to book it. He didn't have to force his way into a situation. The, open, the opportunity opened up. The situation just appeared. The significance of the location, it's just down to God's opportunity with Joseph. And it's the same for every one of us. You may not know very many pharaohs, but you know people of influence in your life. I wouldn't be surprised if God's not positioned people of influence in your life to draw you into the position or place or location that you are right now. And you may be really frustrated. You may really not like your boss. You may, not, you may really not like 
that, the power of that person in your life. But somehow God's brought you to a situation. And there's a reason behind it. There's a reason for that. There's a purpose behind it. God wants to bring your influence through the situation. You may be falsely accused of things. You may be put under pressure. You may be imprisoned. There was somebody in the first service who was risking a prison sentence this coming week. I don't think it will go that far, but there's a risk. And he related to the comment about prison, and we prayed for this guy. God's doing amazing things in his life. He's changed in the last 16 days. How's God done it? Because he's, he's, he's starting to brush shoulders with us in the church. A bit like what Vlad said last week. You know, when the body is functioning well, then we discover who we are in relation to that body. That's why it's so important what Vlad was saying about life groups, small groups, fellowship. Don't be isolated in this church. Don't just come on Sundays. Start by coming on Sundays. Build your confidence. Get to know a few people. Then connect yourself into a group because a group will just... Just walk an ordinary journey with you, but it will be an extraordinary journey because God will breathe through the relationships. He'll breathe through the opportunities. And you'll find that stuff you didn't think could happen will happen. I can't tell you what it's going to be, but you'll be there and something will happen. So what did God say through these scriptures? Um, Pharaoh said, can we find anyone? In fact, he asked the question, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with God's spirit? As soon as... I mean, he just perceived it was God. And I found in my life, I worked in the corporate world for many, many years. And there were times I got pulled into opportunities and elevated. And apart from one occasion when I was told I had to make the application, I don't ever remember actually asking to be promoted. It just happened. And how does it just happen? It happens by putting God first in everything. It happens by just being right with him yourself. It just happens. Don't worry about careers. I'm telling you, don't worry about careers. God's got more interest in your potential, your future, your capacity, no matter how old or young you are. It doesn't, age is not a factor in this. Do you hear me? Age is not a factor. Obedience and heart is the factor. That's it. Otherwise, you've got to work out your whole life. You've got to plan every move, every situation. You don't want to be doing that. You want to be kicking back and going, God, just tell me what food I can eat. You, know, you, want, to be, you want life to be a little bit less pressurized and we all have responsibilities. Clearly, Joseph was under pressure at times. But the bigger picture was where God was working. So, why does God want to give us influence? Because God wants to work through ordinary people. He wants to work. Joseph was really a shepherd to the age of 17. Then he had to learn on the job. But all the time, he was a servant both to man and to God. He wasn't just a man, frustrated, angry. It was a servant of man and God. And despite what felt like an awkward situation, he was obedient. Why does God give influence? Because he wants to change people. He wants, he's got a much bigger understanding of the picture ahead of you than you do. In this case, he was going to provide food for a whole nation. Not only a nation, it was international. He was going to draw people from Canaan and all the surrounding countries to, to have food in Egypt. He had this plan. He was going to influence the most powerful man in the known world at that time the man of highest authority. And that man was not godly. He was a man who worshipped deities and false gods. And, and yet Joseph's in that situation. Don't be put off by having to work alongside someone who's got a completely different spiritual perspective to you. But you've got to be strong if you're in it. If you're not strong, you'll get bent over and pulled and tugged and your strings will end up being cut and all sorts of damage done. That's why you need to be connected properly into the body of Jesus Christ, which is his church, the local church. 
God had a plan to save many lives physically. When we come to faith and we trust his influence through our lives, we will see many people changed spiritually. The word of God is living and active. It's food for people. And we are a storehouse. There's no question about it. This house is a resource for the kingdom of God. That's why we don't go sticking our names on things. I was asked this week if I could tell another organization how many churches we're linked, uh, how many sites we are. And I'm thinking, one, one, <laughs> one, one. And then I thought, hang on a second. We're involved in Macedonia. Actually, we're, we're helping Eric and Lisa maybe pioneering the church plant through the work of Jordan and Vesna in Macedonia in the next few months. And we praise God for that. Their influence is going to be put into position for a purpose. But, you know, we also have been influential in the past at planting churches in Romania. Two or three churches have been planted through BCC over years and years and years. And you guys don't even know where they are. But we are still funding those plants. Did you know that? Some of our giving goes to support those church plants. We even have a school in Romania that we have never activated for 20 years or more as a church. And maybe that's going to have to change. And then I thought of influence and expanding, and I'm thinking of life groups, and I'm looking at Dave and Josie, and I'm thinking of Stockholm. (laughs) Am I I right to think of Stockholm? (laughs) Yeah, why not? I think we should do a church plant or a life group start in Sweden. What do you reckon? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> actually, what we want is them back permanently. Actually, But, you know, sometimes you never know what God might do. And I don't want to speak negatively or inappropriately into your situation. But, you know, we were talking about doing live feeding out of the church for Macedonia. Live feeding possibly into Romania. Feeding. <laughs> live feeding. <laughs> streaming. You know I'm a pagan when it comes to technology. But So live streaming, you know, it's just possible. We're not trying to be what we're not. But we want to be everything God wants us to be. We want you and I together as a group of people trusting Him, putting our intention behind what we do, dreaming a bit bigger than we've been dreaming. You know, there's so much more we can achieve if we work together on stuff. And God is not going to go, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, no, no. No, He's going to go, come on. All I want is someone who's willing, and I'll make it possible. I'll give you the resource. I'll give. All we're doing is that we're becoming a channel for God's plan and purpose. And so, we, like I say, we don't stick our name on it. We just serve it. That's what we do. We serve. That's what our plan is. So we serve. So why does God give influence? So that we can serve. And uh, I just want to say that... Um, let me just come forward from that one a second. Um, in 2 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, But we will not boast beyond limits. This is the Apostle Paul, who was a hugely influential man, wrote most of the New Testament. After Jesus himself was probably the most influential man in, in, in New Testament scripture. Uh, we will not boast beyond limits, but, we, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. God has assigned influence to each person in this room. You may not think like that. You may feel, well, no, no, I just come along. I just, I'm just quietly in the background. God has assigned an area of influence. As we bring our influence together, collectively our influence becomes even bigger. That's how the kingdom of God moves. It moves through influence, contact, communication. It, that's what God's doing. That's what he's doing. So why is influence important? Because he wants us to be influential. But we have to understand who we are and what we represent. So 1 Peter 3.15 says, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. 
always be ready. The ESV says it in a more eloquent way. It says, make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Defend scripture. Defend your faith. Be able to say why you believe what you believe. If you can do that, your influence will multiply because people will see not only that there's something in you, they'll, they'll sense that God thing about you. They will sense it because God's wired them like that. That stuff in their life that's, that wants some of God in their life, they're going to sense it as soon as you, They will spiritually pick it up from you faster than you can imagine. I was in Coventry last Sunday evening and I was in a hotel. I had long meetings during the day. A couple, not Christians, one Catholic lady and her husband, or, or the guy she was with, um, they, and I was with a group of leaders, a small group of leaders and pastors, and uh, they asked, well, what do you guys do? drawn to the conversation and one of the guys with us said well if I tell you that you probably won't want to continue the conversation and I thought that's a ridiculous comment to make because every time I speak to people they want to get into conversation and um, anyway so within a few minutes we discovered they were passionately interested in spiritual things they were they were wanting to contact dead people they were wanting to to get into all sorts of spiritual stuff which which for them seemed okay, because if it's spiritual, it must be okay. People assume spiritual things are okay. They don't understand the difference between good spiritual and bad spiritual. That Come in the church. Come in your influence. Come in your navigation. Come in your understanding of the word of God. They said to, one guy recently said to me, do you contact dead people in your church? And I said, no, no, we don't do that. <laughs> well, in a sense we do, but we try and bring them back to life. So, um, I'm talking spiritually, you do get that, don't you? I'm not talking about... So... Come on, we're going, we are going for dead people in this church. <laughs> I've got to stop myself. I can feel I've got a small pickaxe and a shovel right here. And I'm going to drop straight in that hole if I don't watch it. So, anyway, to all you living people. <laughs> but it's true. And as soon as you talk there and you don't make people feel silly about what they think, and as soon as you, you realise that they're really serious, people put their time and effort and finance into exploring spiritual things. We just got to realize that we've got to have that conversation. And so I spoke to these guys for a few minutes, and he was like, bang, they're sitting on the edge of their seats. They're going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm saying, well, okay, you just need navigating. In the end, we couldn't go beyond a certain point. But praise God, one of the guys there made it possible for them to connect with him and continue the conversation. But that's why God wants us to influence, not to shy away from stuff. So how do we receive godly influence? Genesis 41 uh, you will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you, says Pharaoh. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring and, from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. The, that was the beginning of bling, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> Imagine, I would have loved to have done an illustration with that and get this massive thing, you know. It makes you wonder what he put around his neck, doesn't it? It was probably something not Christian. Probably not. It was probably something worshipping some other deity. He wouldn't have gone, oh, I'll feel sorry for you. I'm Pharaoh. I'm a god to my people. Therefore, I'll I'll respect your god. No, no. He... But what happened here was Joseph was recognised. His influence was reaching in. So how do we receive godly influence? We receive it by moving with confidence into opportunities as he gives them to us. We receive it, but we have to take charge of ourselves before we can competently take charge of what God's going to give us. The big, big mistake for believers is to to hope for influence 
in a secular sense, in a human sense, and have no substance inside. Because once you get in there, it's going to pull you down quicker because you're vulnerable. Because this, the kingdom of this world is trying to pull down spiritual stuff. Who's had spiritual battles this week? I bet many of you have. Why? Because they're normal. Spiritual battles, spiritual pressures are real. They're real. If you just go for a human level of influence, you're going to open yourselves up because you've got to have that, that strength inside you, that ability to take charge of yourself before you can effectively take charge of something else. But Joseph had that in place. So he was able to receive what God was giving him. But, you know, in order to do this properly, um, he had to understand who God was about him. You know, we're going to run 10 weeks of doctrinal training in BCC. This is not for the faint-hearted. This is proper thinkers' doctrinal training. Um, It's entry-level academic stuff, but we're going to make it available. Um, I'm hoping Graham, who's in here somewhere, where are you, Graham? There you are, hiding (laughs) Graham and Fru are, going, are looking to put that on after Easter. And there are people who want to do more systematic doctrinal training. So we're going to make that available to you because we want you to be strong. But it's not just head knowledge. It's got to be applied. And application means you've got to have discipleship practice in your life. We are here to make disciples, that reproduce disciples, which means God's gifting is going to come out through you. But if you only live for your gifting and don't get into discipleship, it'll all be smoke, mirrors, and all the sizzle, but there'll be no substance. So God's given you giftings physically and spiritually, and maybe you are prophetic. Maybe you've got, maybe you've got gifts of healing and tongues, and you can prophesy, and, and there are other gifts that God's given you that are supernatural. You've got to get that under control and bring it into the function of discipleship. The greatest call, the great commission, is to go into all the world and make disciples. It doesn't say go into all the world and prophesy over everybody. Go into the whole world and... And heal all the sick, even though that's in the Bible, that's not the great commission. The commission is to make disciples. So the gift has to follow the purpose of Jesus Christ, not the purpose of the pastor, not the purpose of you because you've got the gift. You've got to bring that gift and navigate it into God's primary purpose to make disciples. So how do you do that? You draw conversation out of people. You draw opportunities for that gift to flourish. You don't just go up to someone and just blurt out something that God's told you. That might be an answer, but it's an immature answer. It's not a mature use of gifting. This church, we need to be stronger in discipleship and we need to know how to use our gifting authentically. Um, Jesus said, uh, when he first went to ministry, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim the captives will be released. I've abbreviated. The blind will see, the oppressed will be set free. That was his primary purpose. All the miracles were necessary to endorse who he was. If we get caught up with all the sizzle of the miracles and don't realize actually the primary thing is to draw people into discipleship, and out of that will come all the miracles, believe me, because you will have to operate gifting through it, that's where the excitement of the kingdom is. But then, look at 2 Corinthians 10, 15. Our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. Do you see what God does? He takes um, the capacity of a person and gives them an area of influence. And then he works through that into other people's lives to increase that influence and area of potential. So if we want to be people who see God's given capacity in our lives... It's working to God's pattern, which is 
use the influence that God's giving you. And we just need to explore for a few minutes what that means. But it means some preparation. It means being prepared. You know, we read about Joseph being given Pharaoh's signet ring. That signet ring is like the seal. It's like his signature on any document that that ring is applied to. I said earlier on, it's like me giving Caroline my credit card and my PIN number. That, that, that's probably a good thing to do. Would you reckon, Caroline? Yeah, I agree. You reckon that's a good thing? <laughs> Let me tell you, that takes great faith. <laughs> but can you imagine it? It's not just that signet ring is the king's seal. That's Pharaoh's That is his approval on anything Joseph were to apply that to, anything. I mean, he could have written documents about anything, sealed it with the king's seal, and it's done. Uh, an example in English history is the Magna Carta. I mean, there's been many examples in the Middle Ages. But in 1215, in June 1215, the Magna Carta was signed by King John in England. And he used the great seal of England to seal that Magna Carta. That was a very, very, very significant historical legal document that changed the way the world in its day viewed the king and his relationship with the barons. And that's affected legal practice down the ages ever since. And the only way it could be proved as authentic was that seal. So when he was given Joseph the seal, he was saying, all my authority is behind it. So my seal is my authority. And then when I give you the clothing, the robes, the, 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 the fine linen, and the, and the stuff around your neck, I'm endorsing you so you're publicly seen. And this is the thing about influence. God will give you his authority. You are his man, and he's going to dress you in a way that will influence people as well. He's giving you dual capacity, authority in his kingdom and visibility in his kingdom. These things are very, very important. So we've got to handle them with wisdom and with care. Rick Warren says, you are made by God, for God, and until you understand, understand that, life will never make sense. Because if, you, if you're given God's seal of approval, you're given God's authority, you're given God's identity, you're given God's influence, you need to know how to handle yourself with all that, because with it is great power. It's great power. So how do you handle godly influence? Verse 43 of Genesis 41, then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command, and wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt, and Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new, new Egyptian name. And you can read that. Paphanath. I'm sorry, translators. <laughs> You're going to have to read it off the screen. Uh, so Zaphanath Pania. I think that's how I'm going to go. I don't speak Egyptian. Or what was Egyptian. Um, there we go. I don't think I even speak French. And I certainly don't speak. Anyway, let's not go there. But you can see what was going on here. How to, handling godly influence. All of a sudden, that, that chariot... It's, you know, God will give you the, the trappings of influence, but you've got to know where you're going with it. If it's all about the ride and not about the destination, you've, le- you've lost it. I heard this week on Monday about a minister in the UK of great, great influence who sadly made a massive mistake, had a moral failure, and it's brought down his whole ministry, it's brought down his reputation, it's damaged his family... And yet it seems so ridiculously small in comparison to what God had been using 
him for in his life. And he's got much more capacity than, than the damage that has just happened. But it's happened. And when it happens, boy, the mighty fall. God will restore. And we're a church that wants people to be restored. There's nothing you've done that is so bad that God can't restore you. I'm telling you, nothing. There's nothing anyone has done. God is way bigger than legal rules and religious persecution. God is bigger. But if we do things wrong, there's, there's a consequence. And in this case, there was. So Joseph was in high pressure. It's not just on for the ride. It's on for the destination. And he had his eyes fixed on the destination. So the ride was just circumstantial. What a great circumstance. Pimp my ride. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm going to get myself into so much trouble. Anyway, um, so... He, was, um, he went into uh, slavery at the age of 17, and 13 years later, through development, he became responsible for all of Egypt below Pharaoh, the number two, at the age of 30. Why? Because God could trust him to take charge properly. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The best way to lead is to serve, and Joseph understood. He learnt in those 13 years how to serve man and serve God in balance. That's our challenge. How to handle godly influence. Just going to run through a few pointers. Some tools that God's got for you. How to handle godly influence. Firstly, His Spirit is in you. That's, his Spirit is in you. It will, his Spirit will draw people to you. His Spirit will draw opportunities to you. He will draw. There's no question. But other things will get drawn to you as well because there, there's a spiritual reality in this world. But then our challenge is to encourage ourselves and encourage those people, to listen to people, to listen to God, to present truth, not bigoted, but to present an honest reflection of what you hear. Be able to tell people about the hope and the purpose in your life. People have not got hope and people do not have purpose. All you need to do is start to breathe this into people's lives and you watch what happens. People will be drawn to you even more. Be reliable. You may have all the truth in the world, but if you're not reliable, if you're not trustworthy, if you don't do what you say you're going to do, if you don't make yourself accessible, if you hide yourself away, it becomes a barrier to God's influence working through you. So open yourselves up a little bit, but do it with great care. Do it through relationship in the church. Do it through, through you know, trust your life group around you to support you in things. Create questions in conversation. Draw people out of where they're at through good, wise conversation. Don't attack people for their, their spirituality, their sexuality, their identity. Just draw them out because God will turn situations. You know, we've already talked about financial generosity. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger in Scripture. What about influence through finance? Um, friendship. People want friendship. Authentic friendship. Someone to care about them. Someone to actually do what they say they're going to do. To have a shared interest with people. The power to help navigate other people authentically. You know, Jesus, I said it earlier, Jesus used mud, sand, and fig trees to influence people. He used mud to put on a blind man's eyes. He used his finger in the sand to influence a whole crowd who were about to murder a woman caught in adultery. If he can do that with his finger and with sand, what can you do with what you've got? What you have is far richer. Adam and T, would you join me? How much more have we got in our lives that we are not allowing for God to use and to work in our situation to, to create that influence that God wants? If Jesus could do that with his finger, 
Those without sin cast the first stone. We don't know what he wrote. But look at the influence he had. What influence could you have? We've got to change the way we think and realize that God's purpose is not the chariot ride, it's the destination. It's to save a nation. It's to save multiple nations, to save families. That's what we're called to. That's what God's challenge is in our lives, and that's why he's giving us influence. (coughs) Joseph's name means, may he add. The name Pharaoh gave him, that one I couldn't pronounce, means God speaks and lives. A pagan king uses the expression, God speaks and lives over his life. What's God speaking over your life? You can do it. Get up, dust yourself off. Use what I've given you. Don't worry about what you don't have. Just use what you do have. Be in relationship. Build each other up. You know, he was given a wife that was the daughter of a sun priest, a sun god worshipper, a priest of On. On was a place. But the daughter, a pagan woman, given to Joseph, had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And if you know your biblical history, you'll know they became two of the 12 tribes of Israel. Isn't it amazing what God does? The power of his influence. Sometimes we've got to let ourselves down a little bit in terms of let, let, let our kind of stubbornness about ourselves relax a little bit. Get the spiritual focus right and let God work influentially through us. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song and then I'll move the meeting, meeting forward. <laughs>